Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Firm. I'm Al Eat the Mike Gore. I'm here with Lance. You're what? Al Eat the Mike. Eat the Mike Gore. Gosh, I cannot understand you this week. I thought you said Ethan Light. Wow. You're hearing going? Gray hair? Yeah, exactly. And I'm Lance, uh, gray hair psycho. There you go. We are your host for Inside the Firm, and we are the hosts of the learning uh, kind of template system training at RevitRocketship.com. So go there, check it out. You get to hear us uh, literally explain what we think is the best way to model, which is to mimic how construction works. You get our template that we developed. You get to learn families. You get to learn how to draw a simple house. Um, and then you get kind of uh, a springboard for starting your own project. Go check it out. Uh, it's money back guaranteed. So if you don't like it within the first month, just let us know and we'll guarantee give give back your money. You but got I- it. You got it. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by Pella Luxury. You have never experienced a brand like this before. The collection of brands within the luxury division of Pella are the conversation starters, the pioneers of industry who provide window and door solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. They have decades of experience creating things no one else in the world is creating, and the collection of brands are brought together to complement and build on one another. They don't push beyond the limits. They set them. Explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm. That's PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. This episode is also brought to you by ArcCat. With project conditions changing and limited time to get things done, it's good to have information at your fingertips. ArcCat.com provides architects, engineers, spec writers, and contractors with the most comprehensive libraries of building product content and design so you can access it quickly and efficiently. Even better, ArcGat.com is free to use and requires no registration. That's right, no data mining, my favorite part. So visit today and access the information you need now. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. Back to you, Al Ethan Light Gore. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that? Isn't that your name? Ethan Mike. Wow. I thought you just said Ethan Light. I did. Okay. <laughs> wow. Eat the mic. Um, I was up at NDSU. I was judging a competition that we sponsor. And it was extremely refreshing to see the student works, the student idea, uh, ideas. Um, they are getting really, really good at modeling, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But we are not currently hiring, but I wanted to essentially talk to different students maybe younger students get a feel for them. And it was very nice interviewing without having the pressure of, hey, we need to hire one of these people. How many did you talk to? We haven't even talked about this, ladies and gentlemen. So Mark LePage is 100% correct when he says, this is our executive meeting. So you're in our executive meeting right now. Al Gore. Three. There you go. Yep. Yeah. So um, I'm going to kind of mix and match, but some of the lessons that I learned that were pretty cool um, and some questions that I think are, are vital in the hiring process, right? But first, I want to talk about 
what you're trying to do. And you really need to know what you're trying to do. Like what, right. your, what your mission is yep. if, you're, if you're doing this. And it's not just, hey, we need to hire someone and we need to hire the best candidate. Yeah. Okay, maybe. But sometimes you might not need, quote unquote, the best candidate. And what I mean like that is you don't need to draft a wide receiver if you have Randy Moss and Chris Carter. You know what I mean? Like, you're in pretty good shape. Maybe, maybe work on O-line, something else, right? So yeah. even if the best person in the draft is a receiver, and but you already have Randy Moss and Chris Carter, no need necessary, right? Mm -hmm. So the question that you are really trying to answer is, does the candidate want to become or is become what your firm needs? That's what you're looking for, right? Yeah. Um, one of the questions that I thought was great was, uh, what do you do outside of your assignments or practices to help you get to the next level? That's what you, this is you asking them. Yes. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Yep. So I thought that was a great question. Um, another one was what is your process? Just leave it like that, like design process. One of the, uh, females that I interviewed opened up her sketchbook and said, Oh, she likes to investigate first. And the amount of notes and details and like quality and craft just blew me away because people don't present that when they go to interviews. Now, these questions, were they, would you obtain them based on our conversation? And just to ever let everybody know what our conversation was, was I said, I think you just need to Google <laughs> <laughs> and look up, you know, find as many articles or ideas as you can, videos, whatever, until uh, you get sick of it. Al, you know, in other words, like, let's say you find five and there's only three. You're like, yeah, okay, I've got enough. I found 300 questions. I'm going to pick through 10 of them um, and get 10 picked out for me. I, I, I got it, Al. You're okay. Yep. Uh, just trying to get Al on the big screen here. So um, is that how you got them? I started Googling and then a couple of them where I got them from was Toggle. Yeah. Had and that's what we use for tracking. Ah, they had a whole ah, list. Ah, look at you, toggle questions and and things Smart. like that. And then another one I got it from was Ramsey. Um, this is Baby Steps Money, uh, Ramsey guy. Uh, he's on the radio and all that. Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. There you go. That's what I was looking for. Huh. Cool. Yeah. He had some stuff. So that's where I got it from. Um, okay. Okay. The so that was great. Like. If they could bring, I don't know if you, we never require people to bring anything, but like if they have a, that question, well, if they have I mean, their sketchbook. Yeah. Even their portfolio. A lot of times now they're just sending us uh, like a PDF copy plus their website and we'll have it ready for them. Yep. And then some, some candidates have been bringing their portfolios, hard copies in stuff like that. Yep. Uh, me and Al used to have the idea that, oh, we'll leave you with a copy. I don't know. No. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, just send a digital. But what I'm saying is that. It was impressive. I could tell that she really thought about everything, was dedicated and, and, and all that, just based on like, holy cow, the information you put in your sketchbook yeah. is, is awesome. Yeah. Um, another one too, this is specifically if they're in group projects. So this person had, I think like 10 or 12 people in their group project and their group project looked awesome. So I had to ask like, okay, what, what was your role? And she said, oh, um, I was responsible for everything in Revit modeling and all the renderings. So it's mm -hmm. like, oh, so you made the project. Like, that's the great role to have. Um, yeah. Uh, and then here's the most important one, I thought. This was at the end. And this, 
I think was more freeing because it wasn't that pressure situation where like, Hey, they flew to your office or drove to your office and they researched you. And like, they are know that they're applying for you because I feel like people can fake this answer. The question is what project types would you like to design in the future? Um, and this person said like, Oh, uh, sports stadiums. That's great to know because we do not design sports stadiums. So if that's like really where their heart and their passions in, like, the chances of us designing a sports stadium in the next 15 years is probably pretty Now, I will tell everybody who's listening and watching that uh, we have had folks who say they want to do houses come to the firm, and then they did not work out. So, you know, and everybody who everybody who's a longtime listener of this firm knows that, or listen to this podcast knows that we we most we do a lot of residential. Um, I don't I don't know what the percentage is of what we're doing now versus not, but but still, I would say on the majority of our work is residential. Multifamily, single family, um, but but I think what you're getting like, there's red flags, yellow flags, and then probably a green flag. If I had to sure, and the green flag is like the best. Yeah. So you're finding like the red flags with that kind of information, or maybe even just a yellow one where it's like cautious. Yeah, just for like, is it again like your receiver? We don't need a receiver, you know. Yeah, <laughs> we have again. We have Randy Moss. We have him and Chris Carter. Everyone sleeps on Chris Carter. You cannot sleep on. You Chris can't Carter. sleep on Chris Carter. You know why? Because his footwork is so good. Chris Carter had the equivalent footwork. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. You're are you sitting down? Yeah. You're sitting down. I'm sitting down. Uh, Chris Carter has just as good as footwork um, as uh, the guy who played for the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. I'm serious. His footwork was just as good as Jerry Rice, and everybody likes to say that's what Jerry. That's how Jerry Rice had such a long career. Uh, Randy Moss was just a long, lanky freak of nature, athletically. Like he was amazing. If, if you ever go watch back, just like Randy Moss could have played professional basketball. He yep. was so good. So Christian Watson from NDSU is now at the Packers. He got drafted, and he's that long, lengthy kind of guy. So like that's pretty cool. The other thing is there's a lot Randy Moss one hand catches. There's a lot of people that can do these one hand catches. Yes. People sleep. Chris Carter didn't do them out in the open like literally in a touchdown he, he jumping did, back. He did them in traffic. He, thank you. He did them in the middle of the field yeah. diving. I knew that was no the, I knew that was the word that Al Ethan Lightyear was looking for. <laughs> I'm going to keep morphing the name. <laughs> it's just a like diving in the middle of the field for one handed. Yeah. Okay, I digress. Anyways, that's that, that's all I have for kind of the questions and, and what to look at. There's a whole bunch of other things that you know you can ask, but those were kind of the important ones that stuck out. Yeah. Well, on that note of employees, I we have a listener question that I'd like to bring up. So, um, all right. Kate Fox, uh, who is an owner at Red Room Design, she works on the Western Slopes in Colorado. Um, and uh, she's been a longtime listener of this uh, podcast. And she has a question she asked me on LinkedIn. Have you ever had someone quit that you wanted to keep on your team? Would you hire them back? What if it was reversed? Would you take your job back from a company that fired you? Seems like an uncomfortable position to be in. So, so multiple questions. Um, first one, I, I can easily answer the first question they'll have, and I'm sure you can too. Have you ever had someone quit that wanted that you wanted to keep on the team? I would be okay with one of them that would exactly exactly yeah. i know who we're both thinking about yeah yeah and every time this uh this former employee contacts us personally or has us use him for a reference i'm like hey what would it, how about you just come back here yeah because 
uh, this gentleman was is is and is just phenomenal. He is just just a great person overall, um, and an even better worker, and uh, just just top notch, top notch. But that person left because they wanted a different kind of profession. They're a planner. Yeah. Literally a they planner. were literally trained as a planner, went to grad school for planning, went to undergrad as kind of like a mixed degree. Yep. Um, and so it totally makes sense why they'd want to go. We, like, we don't have a lot of planning work. Uh, if we do have planning work, it's mostly Al Gore uh, making, something up. making something up for like these multifamily projects. Um, That's well, true. It's not making it up. He does a good job. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Um, so the second question is, would you hire? would you hire them back? Yes, we kind of yeah. already answered that. Uh, what if it was reversed? Um, meaning that, like, if you fired that person, um, would you take would you take your job back from a no. company that fired you? Obviously, so so not. that so Leapskin Leapskin laid me off. I wasn't fired. That's a good way of putting it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, because nah. we and we could both be in this position. We were both laid off. Yep. Um, would you ever go back if they said, "Oh, I, by the way, we got more work"? Yeah, I'm too old now, and I'm too established. And he's got them chilling. And I got them chitlins, so yep. I ain't going back to NYC. Um, but if I was, if, if they would have called me back six months later or something like that, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible, especially if it was because it was mass layoffs. It was 2008. It wasn't like you suck. It was like, yeah, there's no work. You'd, we got you gotta go. <laughs> you we gotta. can't even make up work for you. Yeah, because then we'll be out of money. Yep. So, um, yeah, I think there's circumstances where where that comes into play. Hundred uh, percent. Thanks for those questions, Kate. Seems okay. uncomfortable. Know what is funny? There was I do know someone in our core team that was part of the first layoffs, and literally a couple months later, they hired him back. Um, and I don't think it w- was uncomfortable because it was like glad to have you back, guy. You know, glad to have you back. There's probably circumstances, yeah, but. Uh, okay, but if uh, my answer to that question is so, the firm that laid me off. Well, first of all, they went defunct, which is further proof that like you guys had no idea how to run a, a successful business. You were good architects, capital A, artists, but terrible business people. Um, so I did wouldn't even have had the opportunity to go back. However, in hindsight, like even further than that, um, I would not go work for somebody who's bad at business because I take it so seriously. Anyway. There you go. Uh, okay. We've been talking about this topic for a while now because uh, it keeps coming up. And I found this great article and I wanted to break it down with Al Gore. And it has oh, to man. do with uh, working remote versus in the office. And so uh, I've got this article pulled up. If you're watching on the YouTube, it is titled, it's uh, from Structural Magazine. And uh, it's called, uh, the title is A A Case Against Remote Work. Uh, It was published just last month, April 2022, by Kevin H. Chamberlain, uh, public engineer, or professional engineer, rather. So he starts off the article by saying, Your business development and sanity can benefit greatly from becoming an active... Oh, uh, sorry. Let's see here. That's not where we're at. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a, so, he, you know, he's, he's basically makes a first pitch like you should join this stuff, but it doesn't matter. We'll move ahead in the, in the article. During COVID, he says, we tried to do virtual conferences, but it's just not the same. For me, it was slightly more engaging than a manufacturer's lunch and learn, but without the lunch. Oh, that's terrible. We have one of those today. 
You got to have the lunch. Always get Qdoba, by the way. So when we were able to meet together in the flesh last summer for the first time, it was like a ray of sunshine. On a parallel track, the most prominent topic of discussion at our most recent roundtable was remote work. That's what I find the most fascinating because at our firm, remote work has not been a, quote, thing, end quote. The only remote work uh, happens when one of the engineers has a sick child at home or when I decide to get, quote, caught up, end quote, when the weather is bad on the weekend. Uh, he was fishing. And we had a few, I'm just kidding. We had a few weeks at the pandemic start when we tried to minimize the number of people in our building simultaneously with what we moved on. Sounds like pretty much exactly like us, Sal. Yeah. Uh, I have learned that most firms offer at least some component for remote work. We do now at F9, so uh, senior staff can work from home on Wednesdays. Uh, let's see here. Or is everybody? I think it's everybody, isn't it? It's pretty much everyone. Pretty yeah. much everybody. Uh, let's see. Where were we at? Oh, man. I lost my yeah. I lost my point here. Oh, okay. Some mega firms have eliminated desk space and are renegotiating office leases to reduce their footprint. Many firms have a significant portion of employees working remotely, although the remote work trend in- incubated and grew under a public health emergency. It seems to be here to stay. Why? Because employees of all ages and backgrounds want that flexibility in their lives, we are told. So he goes on, is this shift towards remote work good for our profession? This is exactly what I've been wondering for a while and you have too. And we've brought up of like collaboration. Like, Is it good? Yep. Did, did you listen to the podcast that hasn't came out yet where I discussed that? Not yet. Okay. So, um, I only I only edited and published and pre-published them and all that. I haven't listened to them in detail. I apologize. Okay, no no worries. I, these, I think it's so important. The last two people you had. Yep. Okay. I think it's so important that we need to put it in our employees' manual. Like we believe in work at work. Oh and, yeah, sure. And, and and state the reasons why because like it it is sort of huge. Like if you've been following Apple, it's giant. Yeah. Uh, but in the culture, like Apple's quitting, stuff like this. And I don't know if you want to go to the main point here. That yeah, I, that Elon Musk is saying they should turn Twitter's headquarters into a homeless shelter because nobody wants to work there. That's hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Here's one question. So how are new hires supposed to learn? You, you can't replicate the one-on-one mentoring. And here's oh, what... Oh, from him, yes. Yep. Uh, Apple employees sent a letter to Tim Cook saying like, hey, we don't want to. And one of their major points was... I think it was a, it's a false idea because people say, hey, we're designing buildings and people need to be in buildings because they'll walk some past someone at lunch from a different department and they'll cross pollinate and all that will happen. And they showed some study like that actually doesn't happen, right? Which I can buy. It's just a fantasy. Yep. I can, I can buy that, right? Um, what I don't buy is like, I don't think that's the main point. I actually think it's the people right around you when you just turn yes. around and ask a simple question. It's yeah. Quick one. Like that that's like the phrase up here. Quick one for you. That's it's one like, of the employees. It's like that. love at first sight, that idea. It's like, yeah, maybe maybe every once in a while somebody does that, but really it's uh love at like uh proximity. There you go. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um there is something about that too, Prox. And, and I was talking to another person that you'll see. Uh, sometimes they say proximity is is like literally the the key to love. Like yep. you grow to you know love each other. Yep. Uh, one of the guests was talking about how his first firm they work so much like so many people just became husband and wife, and they're still husband and wife. 
just because of that. And I think Foster kind of had that. I just too, moved out in- of my home office into uh, one of the spare bedrooms that we now have because we're, we're empty nesters away from my wife. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> so I, I think that a lot of people at the top and middle management are being short-sighted and it's, hey, I know what I'm doing. I got mine. Why can't I work from home? I love being next to my kids and wife. And okay, all true. What about everyone else coming up? What about everyone else? I know. And the psychological component of this that I think is prevalent and true is something that like Michael Malice likes to say. Um, And so what what he likes to say is that he's like, it's easier to train a smart dog than a dumb dog. So what I'm getting at is like all of these middle managers and upper managers, like those are smart people. They have went to college so it's easier for them, I think, to fall into this trap of like tre- uh, following the trends and instead of like bucking the trends and going and just questioning and taking pause. I mean, that's all that's all I think why we're bringing this up one more time on the show is is like it's I think it's important to just pause and think about the ramifications. Yep. Here's another thing, too. If you've ever had a real wor- this, this should kind of lay it to bed. If you believe that having a quick feedback loop improves your process, improves your culture, improves your firm, improves your work, improves the end result. If you don't believe that, then you literally are, you won't, you do not get what I'm talking about. If you do not believe that a quick feedback loop is important. Yep. And important. Yeah. So if you've ever had a quick feedback loop, let's say in an office with your own staff, right? You know what that feels like. You know what happens. I love a quick feedback loop so much that like I almost wish our structural engineers, our civil engineers and our mechanical engineers were on the same floor because there's so many times with like, let's just say the civil, I just need a quick thing answered. So I don't go down a a wrong path or the structural and stuff like that. And then I have to text, wait for the text to come back or call where if they were literally in the office, I could look like, Oh, they're on a meeting. Okay. I don't, I'll wait till they're done. Oh, okay. They're okay. Now I now we can just literally just meet. I can walk over there. They can come over here. Like you, if you know that it's harder to get hold of your civil and your structural and your MEP, just translate that to your own office. What if that was like your own office? Now your feedback loop is even more broken. What's going to happen to your pr- yeah. productivity and all yeah. that? It's going to get worse. Like right. and so that's all. That's all on the employer side. So then I would I would everybody who's an employee right now listening to this show, I would ask you, I would, I would hear the, I'll leave you, we'll leave you with this. And this is sort of the last paragraph. So he goes on to say on the employee side, think carefully about what you, what it is you're asking for. Do you have a home office with a door you can shut uh, or one end of the dining room table with chaos encroaching from all sides? How do you set boundaries f- uh, for yourself, for your family, for your employer and for your firm's clients? Each has a different interest and goal. Will you be sidetracked by distractions that drop your productivity and mean you have to put in extra hours when the house is quiet. How will clients contact you? More and more, I see engineers listing their cell phone numbers on their email, to the, on their email signatures. To me, that screams, quote, hey, call me on the weekends and after hours, end quote. Giving out cell phone numbers at our firm is a very is a good way to get fired. Ooh. I don't know about that. I don't agree with that one. How does your employer, and I'll unpack that why I think it's, it's a silly statement. How does your policy, how does your employer know if the, if you are happy? How do they help you grow professionally? Never forget that you are the most, their most prized asset uh, is a remote 
employment marriage doomed to end in divorce. Um, yeah. So to the cell phone thing, just to kind of touch back on that is like, I, uh, my cell phone has been on the internet for over a decade now. And so is Al's. And so we get all kinds of spam stuff and it, it's just part of what we deal with. Yes. We get clients to try to text us and stuff, but like you got to set your boundaries no matter what. We just talked about this with, with our little burnout session that we had with the staff mm-hmm. to try to mitigate that. And it's like, shut off the notifications just entirely. Like, Shut off your email notifications if your email app is also tied to your work email on your phone. Um, and then also be very, like, remind own clients. So let's say a client texts you at, after, at 5, even at, like, 5.01. You're out of the office or whatever. Don't even reply to that text until the next morning and say, hey, I got your text. I was out of the office. Just so you know, moving ahead, uh, we don't answer phone calls after or text or any. We don't. We don't have client interaction after 5 p.m. It's a hard rule for us. Yeah. I hope you hope you can respect that. And I have had it respected every single time that I've that I've asked for that to happen. Uh, so yeah, think about the remote work. I mean, Al's right about the proximity of the whole thing, and that's exactly what the you know the author in the previous article in the previous paragraph to that that Al kind of unpacked in his own way is like the proximity and being there and being able to filter those questions and have a back and forth is super important. Um, I just think you're doing yourself a disservice. I think the the way forward is a hybrid. And even my brother who texts me, um, he was all excited like on Monday. He's He works up in North Dakota and he has this, uh, he works, he has a white collar job essentially now for this big oil company. Um, he's like second, he's like second in command sort of thing. And he's like, we're merging with this other company. This other company's buying us out. And he goes, I hope to God we move to a hybrid model. And they're going to. It's pretty sick, actually. So he doesn't have to go in Monday or Friday, only in the middle of the week. Yep. And he's like, he's like, I was going to quit if they wouldn't allow us to go remote partially. Yep. And he, but even he sees like it's still valuable to do both. I yep. got to do both. It can't just be one or nothing. Yep. It's like life, a gray area, right? Yep. And also, too, this is more on the tech side. I know people in big companies and small companies on all the tech side where remote workers weren't doing what they need to. And because there wasn't that close contact, I, I knew someone literally told me, yeah, I get my work done in two or three hours and that's it. And I just do whatever they assign. I do. And then I'm done with it. Like, and people are okay with that. Like you're getting, so people are okay with that. Yeah, you know, Literally spending the rest of the day, Running, fishing, yeah, doing all that. <laughs> anything they want, catching. Uh, so, if you want to pay someone, whatever it is, fifty, hundred thousand dollars to do two hours worth of work a day, it's your call, I guess. Yeah, that's probably where we're going to see a tech recession. <laughs> yeah, do not. Uh, yeah, do, don't be surprised if you get outcompeted in your company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I have a, a Monday morning shot of coffee here. Um, that I'm going to play for Al that I'm really excited about because I, this was like, so yesterday I had, um, this episode won't air until May 30th. This is, uh, right now you're listening. It's May 13th. So a couple weeks from now I had Jeff Cohen on, he's a serial entrepreneur. And I asked him, what would you say to Elizabeth Warren who says that oh. businesses are taking advantage 
of inflation and thus raising prices? And he had an amazing answer. So here we go. What would you say to somebody like Elizabeth Warren, though, who claims that uh, business owners are simply raising their prices because they have the excuse to rather than they need to? That may be true. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, if the market will bear it, Mm -hmm. business owners have an opportunity. I mean, I just went and and brought my dry cleaning in. I remember before the pandemic, I was paying something like $3.50 a shirt and suddenly it's $4.99. Right? Now I haven't had my shirts done in a year and a half because I've been home. But so it's a, like a big shock, right? Did I take my shirts and say, no, I'm going to go start shopping around? No, I dropped them off. I'm picking them up on Saturday and I'll have clean press shirts for when I'm doing in-person events. Now, listen, I respect that she may believe that and it may be true. And this is a capitalist society where businesses get to do that. And is it price gouging? Well, I tell you, from a consumer standpoint, it sure can feel that way at times. But we as consumers are not looking at the P&L and balance sheet of the companies that are raising prices right. to see how their businesses have been affected, right? And I know that the government's done an awful lot of that because everyone files tax returns, so they know. But you and I, we have no idea. So all I can say is you got to do business with people that you trust, that you like, and that you believe in. And that goes for big and small businesses. And if you feel like the price is an issue for you, speak up. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen. A business owner says, hey, I'm really sorry. We're having to do this because of the great impact we've had. Or, you know, the cost of our goods has gone up and we need to recover that. You know, there's nothing that would keep me from having a conversation with another business owner to understand what's going on there. And also, it's a tough time for a lot of people and we just have to recognize that they're learning to deal with it. I think the part that I found interesting was you asked it and framed it in the perspective of Elizabeth Warren, who is a government Official. Senator. Yep. Senator. Uh, to, if that is a concern, then your concern, I believe, should be to make sure capitalism is competitive. Competitive capitalism. So that if someone is doing that to excess, you have an easy option to go to some competitor of theirs and say, hey, I feel like, you know, they're price gouging when they don't need to, quote unquote, need to. Do you offer a better price, right? Oh, no, you don't because your prices went up. Oh, okay, let me try that again. Oh, the third person must be real. Or if it's not real and you are in a true competitive landscape, someone is going to eat that other business's lunch. So is she focused on creating competitive uh, capitalism by reducing barriers, regulations, and a captured government market? Uh, Her answer is to tax more. I, I just thought it was so interesting. And he's, he's, to me, his answer was basically, so thanks for that response, Al. But I think his, I, I was just like, oh, so you're basically telling her so what? And I was like, that's perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I didn't like, you know, your answer was, well, it's like we were talking about yesterday. If one of us ever ran for office, 
uh, which we're not ever going to do. But like, if we did, we would have, we would be like, they, you know, we would say like, oh, we're going to solve affordable housing and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do all of the, we're going to We're going to talk to the fire department, get them to change their We're going to talk to the building department. We're going to talk to the planning department. We're going to talk to everybody. We're going to reduce the regulations. We're going to do all this other stuff. We would not get elected at all because that already went over everybody's heads. Whereas, yeah. again, like the you know somebody else running against us in the opposite realm would would just be like, "We're gonna tax the developers," yeah, and then yeah. we'd be like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." Is <laughs> yeah. a better market just playing with this this thought experience that you had is like, uh, um, you you need competitive companies right yep. to lower prices. Yep. And the new thing is uh, you need competitive uh, government agencies. So they need to compete with the private sector because they're holding everything back. And that's how you, instead of saying like, we're going to reduce this rule and this rule and this rule is like, nope, they're now in competition. Yeah. 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 What do we got next now? Uh, we don't have a read. We do not have a read. Wow. We had a, we had a Monday morning shot of coffee. That's all we really had. Gotcha. Yeah. Let's bring down the team for ARE Jeopardy. Let's do it. All right, pineapple shirt. I hope you win. Thank you. <laughs> uh, question number one. Fire aerial apparatus access roads are how wide? Did you hear that? A, 12 foot. B, 26 foot. C, 20 foot. D, 24 foot. A, 12 foot. B, 26 foot. C, 20 foot. D, 24 foot. Don't look. Don't cheat. I can't read that. Uh, the answer is B, 26 foot. Uh, regular ones are 24 foot. It depends on your area, but <coughs> you can go for that. Um, setbacks from fire aerial apparatus roads are A, 5 foot. B, 15 foot. C, 7.5 foot. D, 10 foot. I think this is... Maybe. Yep. Longmont just made another rule to just make this happen even easier. Yep. Okay. 15 is correct. B. So uh, a lot of other cities will say, hey, if you have like a landing point or something at 30 foot where you can access the roof or, or walk on the roof, you're good. Longmont said, no, 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 no. If a parapet ever goes over 30 foot, no matter what, you have to have this. Or if any, or any part of the roof. So like even if you have a two-story and a high-pitched roof, they're like, there's no way we could start at the bottom of the roof and walk up. We need a fire aerial apparatus. Number three, what division? What is division seven of the master format? Ooh. A, wooden plastic. B, thermal moisture protection. C, doors and windows. D, specialties. E, conveying system. You will get these questions in the ARE. What division? What is division seven of the master format? A, wooden plastic. B, thermal moisture protection. C, door and windows. D, specialties. E, conveying system. What do we got? All right, you went with D. B is correct. Uh, what do we got here with scores? Three? Ooh. Three to one. Easy one. Okay, we'll just do this for fun now. Four. 
Uh, number four, what is Division 9 of the Master Format? Is it A, specialties, B, wooden plastic, C, conveying system, D, finishes, or E, thermal moisture protection? You even get a hint on this one, right? You do? Well, if you paid attention to the last question, yeah. Uh, what is division nine of the master format a specialties b wooden plastic c conveying system d finishes e thermal moisture protection the correct answer is d finishes jason's the winner where are we going to eat i've been told chipotle chipotle Chipotle. wow well take us out all right. If you like this episode, please share this episode with a friend, a colleague, your mom, of course. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, leave us a comment. We will see you next week.